This recording is from the Department of Education and Outdoor Learning at the Royal Geographical Society with IBG. I'm Laura and in each podcast I'll be meeting a geographical expert to discuss their research and where geography has taken them. The Italian city of Venice sits across a group of 118 small islands located in the shallow Venetian lagoon. So special is this landscape that the lagoon and parts of the city are listed as a World Heritage Site and fascinate millions of visitors each year. But is this sustainable? In this podcast, we speak to Jane DeMoster and Gabriella Gilmore from the non-governmental organisation We Are Here Venice. We discuss the challenges that face the future of this unique city, its lagoon and its population. Jane, Gabriella, can you please tell me a little about your roles for the organisation and how the organisation itself works? I'm Jane Damosto and I'm the co-founder and executive director of We Are Here Venice. The organisation had a very kind of gradual birth (laughs) because um, it really comes from my work as an environmental scientist looking at the critical issues in the physical and ecological dimension for the life of Venice. Um, When I came together to work with a team of architects that were curating the British Pavilion for the Architecture Biennale, and I realised just how much... um, ecological issues were also a metaphor for the social and economic life of the city. I'm Gabriella Gilmore um, and I've been working for We Are Here Venice for two months now but I interned with them um, last year. Um, I'm a graduate in politics and Italian and I was very lucky to live and work in Venice last year. It's so hard not to fall in love with Venice but it also was very obvious to me that it's being confronted by a number of very serious problems um, and so I'm very, very happy to be involved with addressing those with We Are Here Venice now. Could you tell me then what are some of the problems facing Venice? Obviously, there's a lot of international attention on safeguarding such a special place. I think the most obvious one to me, even from just having been there last summer and going back a year later, um, the depopulation is probably the the most serious problem, we would say. Like a couple of my favourite shops, my hairdresser, these sorts of places that, you know, were obviously targeted to inhabitants of Venice... I returned there this summer and lots of those have gone and most of them are replaced with either a restaurant or a souvenir shop that are only targeted towards the tourists. So it's very hard for you know people living there to actually make their lives and live a normal life. The cruise ships are the most obvious issue that something is fundamentally wrong with the current governance of a precious and unique city like Venice. And 
from the strategic point of view of we are here Venice, we are very focused on getting rid of large cruise ships from Venice. That's not to say it's the single most important threat to the physical and ecological and social integrity of Venice, but it's because as long as there are these huge monsters looming on the horizon, you get the feeling that Venice is doomed anyway, so why should one invest resources and energy and time in fixing the real problems of Venice? And the real problems of Venice are indeed the shrinking resident population linked with the smothering of the city by mass tourism that not only has terrible physical and environmental consequences, you just need to look at the overflowing rubbish bins mid-morning in Venice and you realise the huge amounts of plastic waste that's created by mass tourism. With a longer time horizon, there's obviously the issues of climate change and sea level rise because Venice is nothing else but a series of islands in the middle of a lagoon system. Chronic increases in sea level rise and more frequent occurrence of flooding are major issues for the living city. So We Are Here Venice is focused on improving the city and finding solutions to some of these issues. What are some of the strategies that you've been engaging with so far and kind of who are the communities that you're working with towards solutions? We work in um, two directions. Part of our time is spent working directly with academics and researchers trying to advocate for them to dedicate their um, abilities to what's really urgent in Venice and that goes from interpreting you know global and regional sea level rise predictions into what that might mean specifically for Venice or understanding changes in the lagoon circulation following modifications to the inlets between the sea and the lagoon that's associated with building of the mobile barriers. And then on the other hand, what we work with is all the huge number of community groups and environmental activists that are present in the Venetian panorama. I must say there's too many separate groups and that's something to do with, you know, Venetian way of being or Venetian history that everything gets terribly fragmented and we try and help to bring more groups together that want to transmit a similar message or add some logic to the campaigning. Sometimes they're barking up the wrong tree and so we're like bridging in two directions to try and make sure that what needs to be done gets done quicker and more effectively. We just have a kind of more methodical approach to campaigning and research. So are there any areas in Venice that you're seeing kind of positive changes occurring, particularly around this kind of depopulation idea? Well, I think that one of the issues we're very focused on is the way Venice is governed.
Mm. And for too long, the historic city of Venice, which is the bit that's in the lagoon that gets photographed all the time where the tourists want to come, is part of the same municipality as the mainland of Venice, which has actually three times the number of inhabitants as the historic city. So it's a little bit like the historic city has become this lemon to be squeezed by people that live elsewhere, not just in the municipality on the mainland Mestre Marghera, but even people that live in other parts of Italy, other parts of the world, and there's huge speculation on the heads of the few remaining Venetian inhabitants. And it, there's no way now, in the kind of current political configuration, that the Venetians' preferences and necessities can be taken into account by elected politicians. Because if you're a politician, you need to make sure that the people on the mainland are going to elect you. And for the people on the mainland, Venice might be none other than their job selling sandwiches to tourists that stay for a few hours or things like that. My work on trying to get the governance of Venice divided from the governance of the mainland, you know, split it into two separate administrations, which doesn't mean blowing up the bridge that connects Venice to the mainland, but it's a question of living better together when they're separate entities. Doing this work over the years, I've noticed a very sharp increase in the willingness of the remaining Venetian population to fight for what's left of Venice. And I also must say there's a lot more international attention for the work that We Are Here Venice is doing Whereas when we started five years ago, we were considered, you know, odd because people still thought, as they've been thinking for decades, that by cleaning a monument, you're helping Venice. Now they're beginning to understand that it's probably not worth investing in restoring the cultural heritage of the city if the city itself isn't going to be able to keep on living. As an NGO then, how do you organise your areas of work? What is the focus of We Are Here Venice? So we have five different project areas. So if you were to go on our website, you would see that they're all divided. Um, so firstly, we've got the No Grandi Navi, in Italian means um, our actions against large cruise ships. And as we've said, this is one of the main problems. And because it's so so blatantly obvious that the cruise ships aren't good for the existence of Venice, the continued existence of Venice, if we can really solve this problem, it will illustrate that we can go on to solve the others. Then we have um, water levels. There's obviously this common... Um, but it's commonly thought that Venice is sinking, but really the the science behind it is a, a lot different to that. Venice is flooding and it has always been flooding. So do you want to tell me a little bit more then, Jane, as an environmental scientist? Is, is Venice sinking or is it flooding? The fact is that Venice is flooding more frequently 
and that's to do with rising average water levels. On top of the average water levels, there's the tides that cause, you know, twice daily variation in water level. Normally, it's like a metre, metre twenty, the difference between the lowest tide and the highest tide on a typical tide. But obviously, that varies due to, you know, astronomical factors, you know, the, the, the moon affects the tide. But in Venice, what the main issue is meteorological conditions. So storm surges and certain strong winds that push more water into the lagoon causes flooding. That's over and above the, the tidal variation. So you can get flooding even when there's low tide because there's been a strong Shiroko wind that comes from you know, Africa originates in the Sahara Desert. So with climate change affecting the day-to-day -day weather patterns, not only is there sea level rise, but also there's a change in the frequency of the types of winds that cause flooding. The other th work that we do on water levels is trying to make people think about flooding, especially the people who live and work in Venice. So it's not just making everybody understand that the main issue for Venice isn't sinking but flooding. But if you live and work in Venice, in the future Venice is going to have to make really big decisions about how it wants to protect itself and live at the same time as living with the water. I mean, unless one decides to tarmac the Grand Canal <laughs> and turn Venice buildings. You know, maybe one day they will decide just to block the water from coming into the lagoon and, you know, either close it off and make it into a freshwater system or just, you know, fill everything in. It's important not to forget that no lagoon system is a stable environment. Lagoons over time either silt up if they get more sediments from the surrounding rivers or they get stronger erosion from the sea that turns lagoons into marine bays. In the case of Venice, human intervention have made sure that the lagoon didn't silt up and that happened in the 15th century when the lagoon did start to silt up and it was becoming difficult for the big galleons to sail in and out of the city. Now, to support port activities, they've dredged big, wide, deep channels across the lagoon to make it possible initially for the petrol tankers to come and go from the Margari industrial zone. And now they're talking about doing some further dredging to keep the cruise ships coming. So people need to decide how they want their city to be. And that's just the continuation of, of what Venetians have always done through time. And that's why it's important to mention our third area of work, which is the governance of Venice. You know, who decides for Venice? Is it the Venetians who live there? Or is it going to be somebody in the government in Rome trying to say what Venice should be? The other area of work is called language of value. So if we're going to propose to involve the population more in 
making decisions about the future of the city and how they want their lives to be, they need, we need to be able to express issues connected with the re city resilience, the sustainability of life in the lagoon, in terms that people can not only understand, but also terms that kind of objectively reflect the conditions in the city in the lagoon. Our final area of work is awareness raising and dissemination of information. And that starts with schools in Venice and universities in Venice to make sure that the future population of Venice is well equipped to make these important choices for their future. What advice would you give to thinking about schools? A geography student who was very interested in Venice as a place and kind of managing those wanted to visit Venice and um, but also as a geographer understanding that all these issues that are threatening Venice and its sustainability. In 2016 it was a lot of fun to organise a field trip in the lagoon for the geography students from Eton College and um, together with the geography students from the Foscarini High School in Venice. So it was an exchange as well as an opportunity, not just for Eton boys to see the lagoon, but also for the Foscarini students who, even though they live in or near Venice, a lot of them weren't connected in any way with life in the lagoon. And even though one of our main areas of action is to try and find ways to limit and manage mass tourism, it shouldn't be misinterpreted as Venice not wanting any visitors to ever come to the city. It's, it's how you do things, not what you do. So for geographers that might be thinking about passing through Venice, I, I can only encourage them, you know, with all my heart to do that. And the important thing is to see the lagoon as well as the historic city. And one of the best ways of seeing the lagoon is to go to Torcello in the northern lagoon and to go right to the top of the bell tower in Torcello. And from Torcello you see, you know, the... You see the city in the distance, but you also see the marshes and the islands, and you can understand how the whole system works. You can even see out to the sea. And then when you get into Venice, you can go to the top of the bell tower at San Giorgio, which is an island opposite St. Mark's. And from there, again, you see the same shapes and forms amongst the built environment, and that makes you understand that the historic city of Venice emerged directly from the natural structure of the marshes that originally formed the lagoon. This recording was facilitated by a partnership between We Are Here Venice and Eton College. We'd like to thank Dr David Anderson for his support and for accompanying educational resources to this podcast that can be downloaded for free at www.rgs.org forward slash schools. For further updates on resources and events, make sure you're following our team on Twitter at rgs underscore schools for the latest updates. Thanks for listening. <laughs>